0: I jump on the plane, I go over, uh, and a few weeks in, uh, I'm living with him and I discover that um, he is an unconvicted sex offender. Welcome to an episode of Find Your Voice, a movement led by yours truly, Aaron Dew. A guy who has overcome crippling anxiety, adversity, and difficulty like so many of you in life. Whose main goal now is to help you combat your excuses, take control of your life, write your own story, and most importantly,
1: find your voice. So now, without further ado, I welcome the host of the show himself, Mr. Aaron Dew. What's going on, everyone? Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Find Your Voice. My name is Aaron, and as always, I am the host of the show. So today I'm delighted to welcome Ben Woodward on today's episode of Find Your Voice. Now Ben is a motivational speaker, an author, he's also an independent consultant as well and he's wrote the book which you may have heard of or if you haven't you definitely will today The Empowerment Paradox. Now just the tagline of that itself when I was reading it it actually relates so so closely to Find Your Voice. So very rarely In the last 117, 118 episodes that you've heard, have I had someone on here just specifically starting them off with their book? But this is something that I feel is quite fitting. So before we dive all into that, I'm going to welcome obviously Ben to the show. So Ben, thank you for taking time out of your day to come on today's episode. How are we doing today?
0: Uh, Absolutely wonderful, Aaron. Thank you so much for having me on. Real, real pleasure.
1: You're very welcome. You're very welcome. I'm very excited to obviously dive into your mind and try and get the perspective of how you view adversity because that is something that I think many of us struggle with in terms of coping with it. And one of the things I always try and do in Find Your Voice is bring guests on with different backgrounds or different levels of adversity that they've been through to give the listener, i.e. either a blueprint or just an element of hope that maybe they can get through what they're going through in their life. Now, before we dive into that and the more intricate stuff of the adversity topic and what you're doing today, I'm always fascinated to understand why people do what they do. What brings them to where they are in life? Why have they made particular choices or decisions? So let's get to know Ben a little bit more. So just for myself and the listeners, a little bit about yourself, please.
0: Yeah, sure, sure. So um, yeah, I, as you said, I'm a, a business consultant uh, along with being a public speaker um, and author. My consulting revolves around my, my corporate experience. I've formerly been the president of a hundred million dollar uh, health and wellness company. Uh, traveled now to close to 30 countries around the world, uh, working a lot with entrepreneurs and business owners and just helping them to do better in their business practices. It's been interesting, though, that journey of how much of my own personal experiences with adversity have helped to shape and inform my decision-making processes as a corporate executive and how that's helped me in supporting other companies in their experience with corporate transformation. So that's been quite an interesting experience, seeing the relationship between What initially I felt was a barrier or maybe a disadvantage to me um, turned to be an advantage and a benefit. Um, And it gave me different insights that other people didn't have, which was really um, wonderful to realize uh, as my journey went on. Um, Aside from that, the the critical thing for me, the most important thing that defines me is my marriage to my wife. We've been married for 20 years and we have seven children and we've got one on the way. So.
1: Congratulations.
0: That's that's us. Yeah. Thank you very much.
1: Fantastic. So health and wellness is obviously something that, you know, my listeners know is one of my big, big passions. The corporate side of life, maybe not so much. So I came from the corporate side myself as well. And then I kind of went self-employed and tried this entrepreneurial route. But you mentioned something really interesting there. And I think this is something that's going to resonate with a lot of the listeners is about adversity or trauma or whatever we go through in our life. Sometimes we almost want to hide that. And we kind of don't want to showcase that. And what you've recognized and what we say on this show is your adversity could actually be your gift because that could be the blueprint for somebody else maybe getting through something in life. And I think this is pretty much what you've done through through your book as well. And I always stress that the more you can share your vulnerabilities and, and welcome adversity, it's character building. It builds you, it makes you adapt to situations a lot better as well, if that makes sense. And I remember when I first started this show and I used to have some incredible guests tell me stories of the most horrific adversities. And I used to sit there and be like, well, I've only had anxiety. And I was like, I need more adversity in my life. So I have a more interesting story to tell. But then on the same token, my levels of anxiety in terms of what I struggle with could be just as severe in my mind as somebody else's somewhere else. So it's going to be interesting now, if you wouldn't mind, just to kind of explain your views on adversity. And then maybe if you wouldn't mind, if we could maybe touch on a few of your experiences where you've been through adversity and maybe that perspective as well, please?
0: Yeah, well, well, first of all, one thing that I would stress, going back to your point about comparison, we want to avoid comparisons when it comes to um, understanding or appreciating our own mental health challenges or the mental health challenges of someone else. I remember when I was a teenager, uh, an, an early teenager at that, not in my late teens, an early teenager, and I'd come home from school one day, And I was talking to my mom and my stepdad and I said, oh, I'm just so stressed. I don't even, I can't recall what I was stressed about. Yeah. But I was just feeling really stressed. And my stepdad said, stressed? What have you got to be stressed about? You're a student for goodness sake. Right. You you know, and, um, and fortunately, and and my, my first response was, oh, he's right. You know, maybe I'm just being weak, weak weak-minded. Right. And, uh, and fortunately my mom jumped in and clarified and she said, hold on there. That's you know, he's stressed relative to his own personal experience. Yeah, and and so I think that's really important to stress to emphasize here is let's not you know as as I share my experience don't don't have comparisons right <laughs> um, don't go you know mine mine is not as great or as as tragic or what have you uh, or you might you know go the other end and find that it's more tragic more more uh, traumatic. Uh, that's okay. We all have our own journey. This is the critical thing. We all have our own journey, but the principles of learning to deal with it are fairly consistent. This is the interesting thing. How we learn to manage, understand, respond, and be transformed by the adversity that we experience. Um, Those virtues and attributes and qualities and practices are fairly universal in spite of what it might be that is throwing us off kilter. Um, the critical thing is to not compare that will only make things worse, not better yeah um, so yeah so in in regards to you know things that have hit me there have been two kind of major events in my life there's actually been a ton uh, but there's two that i I reference in my book at least um so I, w- I want you to kind of imagine this scene because this was this was my situation going back a few years uh on on an absolute whim of impulse at the age of about 22, I decided to throw caution to the wind and jump on a plane. I was living in New Zealand where I grew up, uh, jump on a plane and fly over to England uh, to visit my father uh, who I hadn't seen since I was 14. Uh, this was exciting for me. I was getting you know, reunited with my dad. I'd longed you know, for years to have that contact and communication, involvement, engagement with him, uh, which we hadn't had uh, through formative years. Uh, I only had enough money for a one-way ticket, and I had 50 pounds in my pocket Uh, when I I jumped on the plane. I jump on the plane, I go over, uh, and a few weeks in, uh, I'm living with him, and I discover that um, he is an unconvicted sex offender. What do you do? How do you respond to that situation? Yeah. And, um, and, and that, that put me in, you know, talk about a conflict of emotions. You know, I've got all of this overwhelming, unconditional childlike love for my dad combined with all of this heart-wrenching, offensive anger, resentment, hatred, uh, loathing for what he's done. And what I see now when I, when I look at him, um my obligation in that situation was to do what was right not what was easy yeah uh, and so that meant uh after finding out along with my brother i took responsibility to support his victims and to put them front and center versus my father um and to facilitate a criminal investigation, arrest, court trial, and eventually the incarceration of my father. I had to testify against him in court, um, and I even drove him to the courthouse on the day that he got taken away after sentencing uh, to go to prison. Uh, that that situation, um, th- those things don't last for just a couple of months. They don't. Someone doesn't get arrested and then go to court and go to prison three months down the road. It drags on and on and on. And uh, that was a hefty ordeal. And, um, you know, I remember I was dating my future wife <laughs> at the time. And um, yeah, I remember, you know, it would be things like during that time where he'd been, ar- he'd, he'd been arrested and released and they're continuing on the court cases pending, but it's nine months away, for example. Um, and, uh, I'd get a phone call from him and we're just on the way out. We're just about to go out on a date. And, uh, I I would just get the voice call. I'd hang up and she goes, everything all right. She'd notice my mood has just dropped. Yeah. And I'm like, I need to go home. And she said, well, what's the matter? What's, what's going on? I can't talk about it. And she's like, but I can talk to you about anything. And it's like, yeah, I'm sorry. I, I couldn't even talk to myself about it. And 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 what do you say to your girlfriend at the time? Yeah, you know, there were so many conflicting emotions around that. Yeah, you know, so what does your dad do for a living? Who is tell me about your family? Yeah, you know, well, I don't really want to tell you about my family right now because it's not cool. Yeah. You know? And um and, and there was a whole host of really difficult emotions to deal with there. Um, but what I found was in confronting those really difficult scenarios and situations that that experience kind of threw at me in bucket loads, um, it, it gave me strength and determination and insights and wisdom that I could not have had any other way. You know, and it seems to me that there are certain fruits and benefits that come to us in life that can only be given um through the hand of adversity yeah and uh and so 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 that that to me was a really f- um yeah a, a very impactful life transforming experience when it came to adversity that that just gave me plenty of time to think and to reflect and to deal with um just sitting with suffering Yeah, um, because one of the one of the challenges that I experienced in this uh, wasn't just in going through that, but going through it in large measure alone. I mentioned that my my older brother helped me through that and and kind of worked with that. But he he had actually in that process left the UK, moved back to New Zealand. So um, all of the family that I'd grown up with that I was close to were on the other side of the world. Yeah, know, I, I would sit there. I was renting a room at the time, a bedroom from an elderly couple. And uh, that's where I lived. I had a part-time job. <laughs> and I was, and, and I'm talking you know, to top it all off during this time when, you know, the court case was going on and he was uh, ended up going to prison. I was at university studying graphic design, loving it. And the university came and said, oh, there's a problem with your application. Uh, you're a British citizen, but you're not a resident you've not been living here for the last three years because you were in New Zealand. So we've got to treat you like an overseas student. So you either pay overseas student fees or you need to leave, right? And I had no means to do that. So, you know, in the same month as my dad going to prison, I had to leave university um, my stepsister passed away uh, from cancer in New Zealand. I had no money or means to return back to the country where my family were, where the funeral was to attend the funeral. Um, and my girlfriend dumped me <laughs> at the same time. Yeah, I, and, and I was just totally on my own. And I, I had a part-time job. I had no prospects in my mind at that point in time of, of a future. I didn't know what that would look like. I had all of this trauma going on and I had no one to turn to and I just had a bedroom that I was renting at. That was it. And um, and that all happened in the space of a month. But like I said, you fast forward to now and what a difference. You know, now I've gone from a part-time job not knowing what my future would look like not knowing how my career would go to being a self-made entrepreneur best-selling author that my my girlfriend you know changed her ways thankfully she took me back <laughs> we, you know, we we got married and she's now pregnant she's now pregnant with our eighth child yeah and uh, and we're living in orange county in southern california um, and it's just amazing and and who would have thought that from that time where I couldn't have gotten my education and I was worrying about what would happen, worried about my own personal sense of identity and, and, and brand there of, yeah, how do, yeah I, I'd look in the mirror, I'd see my father looking back at me because we've got similar mannerisms or physical attributes and what have you. And, and I was like, ah, oh, I, I didn't know what to think and feel. But fast forward, like I said, and uh, I've now traveled to close to 30 countries. I'm confident in who I am. And who I've become, and uh, but it's been a journey to get there. It wasn't an event, and, and this is a critical point. You know, when we're in that moment of great suffering, in that crucible that is burning away all the dross, uh, we've got to recognize the critical element of time. You know, there is this wonderful proverb that I love that says, "In patience, possess ye your souls." Yeah, and 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 the antithesis of that is really true. In, in patience, we can lose them. And if we're feeling particularly down, anxious, and anxiety is, is the worst. You, you've mentioned you know, your experience with it, and I've, I've experienced it in, in wonderful abundance as well. When, when we're in that moment, patience is something really hard to lay hold of. You know, It's very hard to sit with you know, a dark state, with anxiety, with worry that is overwhelming. Um, but, but we learned to, we learned to, there's a saying that my wife and I have on our, um, bookshelf in our bedroom. No one knows how strong they are until being strong is the only choice they have.
1: I love everything about that in terms of talk about being thrown in the deep end. You were literally, you went on a whim and I'm I'm just, try, I'm just trying to take in everything that you just said there, because that is almost something that you see on Netflix in terms of like a movie of somebody just going on an adventure and then being hit with what they perceived and their expectations in their life that they were going to have and then almost instantly recognizing that the world is completely different and you said a few points there that I just want to reiterate because I think there were great points in terms of the first one was doing what's right and not easy I think that is just such a great mantra for life in any single thing that you do and I want to acknowledge you and I admire that you went against your father in terms of criminalizing him and going through all that because that in itself is such a difficult thing to do especially with their expectations and stuff that you had. So I think, and I hope those victims can obviously, you know, I'm, I'm sure they're very, very grateful for, for the work that you've done there. Uh, also condolences for your stepsister as well, which obviously you just mentioned in that as well, losing her through cancer in in the midst of that. And then the thing that I'm interested in more now, and I think this will hopefully help the listeners is in hindsight, it's brilliant. We can have this conversation. I'm so, so happy for you now. You know, you're back You're back with the missus. You've got your eighth child on the way. You're in Southern California. And I only wish the, the best for you. I think you've seen your fair share of adversity to kind of shape you in the man that you are. But somewhere along that, in that moment when you had that month to where you are, and you said the word journey, that there was a journey that you had to go through. There's probably a listener now who's in the midst of this. Maybe not the same. We spoke about comparison and not to compare, but they're probably going through something now where their world is turned upside down and they're going through something back to back. How would you advise, or what would you advise, sorry, to somebody in the midst of that, in terms of seeing clearly moving forward or past that? Because we can sit here now and say, it's okay. But somewhere along that line, you've got to have a different mindset because I always find there's a, there's a choice element when something bad happens. You see people either self-medicate or go down potentially the wrong route. And then you've got other people who actually take that adversity and say, you know what, this is now my gift. And with this, I'm now going to go and impact the world how I see fit.
0: Yeah. Well, gosh, where do I start in saying what, what, what counsel would I give? First of all, like I said, be patient. You know, it's, it's a journey, not an event. Um, and the journey doesn't as much as you want it to go fast, you've got to allow it to go at its own natural pace. Yeah. And, and work with it. Um, so we've got to try to be patient in that. And the challenge of course, that I've heard counselors times and I've experienced it myself. Well, how on earth can I be patient if I if I don't have it? If I don't have patience, how can I be patient? Yeah? It's, it's easy to say it. It's not easy to do it. Yeah? Um, but but there has been experience, research shown, and I've experienced it myself, research shown that when we engage our imagination in, this, in the suffering or the ordeal that we're going through, when our imagination is engaged, our capacity... To respond with patience is increased. Yeah. And and that is that is wonderful because it means that we don't have to white knuckle the journey. We don't have to rely purely on our own willpower and our own sense of grit in order to get us through. We can rely on more than that. So let's engage our imagination. What what does that mean? It means gonna
1: ask you that. Yeah. What does that mean? Yeah, w-
0: yeah. What that means is let's start to craft for ourselves a future state that we can envision and lay hold of. Yeah, there, there was this wonderful story, I'm not sure if you've heard of it, um, of Admiral Jim Stockdale. He was the highest ranking American um, military official that was captured during the Vietnam War. And, um, and he caught the world's attention for a couple of reasons. He, he was imprisoned for, I think it was about eight years, right? And during that time, he was tortured I think more than 20 on more than 20 occasions. Um, But what's remarkable about him is he came out of that um, prisoner of war camp, caught the world's attention for two reasons. One, he was the highest ranking official uh, to be captured, he was an admiral. Um, But second, he came out a better person. How on earth? Do you come out of being a prisoner of war all that time, seeing your your friends and colleagues die around you, not knowing if you're going to get out and see your family uh, ever again? Um, you you might get tortured today, you might not. But he comes out a stronger and better person. He was interviewed, and they said, "Well, why? How is this? How is this possible?" You know, and um, and uh, and he identified something which went on to become recognised. They called it the Stockdale Paradox. And one of the questions they asked was they said, of all the people that you saw die in the camps, who was the first to go and why, right? And he said, said, well, let's break it down to three obvious categories, Uh, the optimist, the realist, the pessimist. Who do you think would be the first to die? Now, I've asked that question because I've raised this to a lot of audiences. Uh, Who do you think is the first to go? Most people say, oh, the pessimist, right? Uh, And they're wrong. It's not the pessimist. The first to die are the optimists, which is baffling, right? How is, the ba- how is that the case? Well, the optimists would say things like, <clears throat> it's all right. We'll be out for Christmas. And then Christmas would come and go, and they wouldn't get out. Well, we'll be out for Valentine's Day. Uh, we'll be out for Thanksgiving. We'll be out for whatever it might be. And, and those dates came and went and broke their spirits. And, um, and what he found was he was a realist. And he he said, you've got to do two things. He said, first, you have to accept, and and this is coming back to this, how do I acquire patience? How how do I engage my imagination, right? This This is the practice that we have to apply to engage our imagination so that in response to this, we can increase our capacity to be patient in suffering. He said, first, you have to accept the brutal facts of your present reality. For him, that was, I'm in, a prisoner of war camp. I may get tortured today. I don't know when I'm going to get out. <laughs> right? That was his brutal, that's brutal reality for you. Yeah? He said, but at the same time, I must never lose sight in the end of my story. He said, and for me, the end of my story meant, and this was his vision, that not only would I get out, but I would turn this experience into the defining experience of my life, that in retrospect, I would not trade. Yeah? So he took it. So so his vision was not just simply, I'll get through it. I'll manage. I'll survive. It was, I'm going to take this, and I'm going to turn it into the defining experience of my life, that in retrospect, I'm not going to change it for anything. It's going to make me who I am. Yeah. Okay and and as a consequence when you're confronted with with a really bad day because what i've found is you have to recommit you know to the po- the process of patience yeah you, you don't just say okay i'll be patient i'll get through it you say that and then you might need to say it again tomorrow and then again the next day and and maybe you might need to say it in 5 minutes time yeah and 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 that's okay that's okay you know we can hand over ourselves to the moment and find ourselves repeatedly pulling it back and taking it back again. It's, it's part of the process of learning to give ourselves over. Yes, so, so, so that, that I think is how we can engage our vision so that we can have an increase of patience to deal with the adversity when it comes. And, and the critical thing is moving on from there, well, what next? So I need to be patient and I can see a brighter future. Another step that follows, and and I I do talk about these um, because they're expressed in the virtues within the book, yeah? Um, But but one of my favorite virtues um, is the need to surrender. And what do I mean by surrender? Surrender isn't giving in, and it isn't giving up. That's not what I mean by surrender. What I mean by surrender is to let go of the illusions that we hold onto about our reality. So that we can truly confront what we're dealing with. I mentioned at the beginning of our of our um, conversation, I've got two kind of two major stories that I talk about, um, and I mentioned the first one. Uh, the other is that I have a diagnosis with bipolar disorder, and um, and that means that I am very personally acutely acquainted with you know anxiety, with dark dark moods. Um, that cause intense suffering and they drag on and they drag on um, and wonderful euphoria on the other side, which you go, well, that's a nice reprieve. Um, but a great therapist said to me once when I said, oh, and, but that's so good. and And, I, yeah, and he said, but is it Ben? <laughs> yeah. And I said, don't take it from me. Don't take it from me. It is good. I do like it. He's like, yeah, but it does lead to catastrophe, doesn't it? Um, so I've, I've got experience from that perspective too, um, that has really colored my insights, you know, and, and flavored my experience with this, but letting go of the illusion. Why do I mention that now? Because for a long time, I didn't want to accept that part of my reality. I experienced it, and and maybe I'm going to ask the listener here, do do you experience something like anxiety, depression, uh, another mental health challenge, uh, but you refuse to accept its existence? Do you refuse to accept its reality? Are you stressed but not telling yourself that it's okay to be? Because half the time, our struggle is in our failure to acknowledge and then embrace what is hurting us. It's a little bit like when we're, we're if we're giving blood, for example, for a good cause, and the nurse comes along and puts the needle in your arm. I'm not sure about you, but the first thing that I do is I turn my head away. <laughs>
1: yeah, absolutely. Yeah?
0: I, I look away. I don't want to see the needle going in. And it's the same with emotional pain. When we feel it, our tendency is to look away or turn the other way. I don't want to see it, right? We don't want to confront it, but we need to. And, and, and the reason I, I stress this is I've learned the hard way of being silent in my suffering and, and, and trying to eliminate versus manage the pain points. Sometimes things can't be eliminated. And as we try to eliminate it, and that, that's been an error on my part, I've got this wonderful capacity for all or nothing thinking, right? Which means if if if, if I feel it, it's it's really big. And yeah. and you know, and I and I exaggerate it and I catastrophize and I make it this magnificent thing that it's not, but that's what I feel. And if I don't talk about it, it gets so blown out of proportion that it starts to affect my choices, my decisions, and my, my rational thinking. Um, and, and that's why I, I come to this point of embracing versus letting, you know, let go of the illusions and embrace the reality so that we can talk about it. That's the third step with others that we know, love, and value us. I use this example um, of the pando tree. I love this. Because my, one of my great problems uh, that I've had to fight and I continue to, I still find it hard, you know, because it's still a journey for me as well. Yeah. <clears throat> the thing that I've often found hard is this talking about it. And you might go, well, you're talking about it now. <laughs> yeah, but it's not, it's not hurting right now. It's not hurting right now. When it hurts, it's hard to talk about. When we're feeling like, you know, the wounds are healed, it's a little easier to talk about. Um, but if I'm hurting right now, it's really hard. Um, but but when I when I don't talk about it, I cut myself off from the resources and strength of others, and I have learned that in order to thrive, I cannot thrive as a single entity. I, I do it as a community, and and that is one of the paradoxes um, that 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 we need to grasp and understand is we are not an island there is there hasn't been nor has there ever will nor will there ever be in the history of the world or moving forward a culture or community of people that is encouraged to self-isolate we have always been in tribes in communities in families, whatever that dynamic and family may look like. It always comes in different shapes and sizes, but it's always more than one. Yeah. And and that's important. We need that. Our mind is built that way. Our body is made up of a lot of different systems that are self-regulating the circulatory system, the lymphatic system, the, um, endocrine system you name it they're they 're all self regulating cl- what what uh, biologists refer to as closed loop systems meaning they don 't need external influence to regulate but our emotional system is an open loop system and it needs external influence for us to get balance and that's that 's designed at a very basic level to ensure the, the ongoing Development and improvement and well being of the population of humanity. But we need that. So I want to just quickly jump back to this, this pando tree concept to solidify this point. The pando tree, the largest living organism on the planet, it's been around for about 80,000 years. It's, it's out in Utah. It looks like a forest of aspen trees, right? But in reality, it's one single tree with an interconnected shared network of roots beneath the surface. It's a single thing. It's a single living organism. But on the surface, it looks like an entire forest that spans acres and acres and acres of land. But it's a single tree. And it gets its strength from the collective. And and because of that, it has become the largest, biggest, and oldest living organism on the planet. There's a metaphor there for us, isn't there? That we can get stronger than ever before if we are willing to reach out and to connect with others. We can be stronger as we reach out and ask for help, and we can be stronger when we offer help. Purpose is found in two ways, suffering and service. Yeah, And so through our suffering, we can find our purpose, and through our service to others and giving back, we can find our purpose. And it's in those two things that as we can reach out and to connect with others, we can be lifted and strengthened and we can give back and be strengthened even more. And that can give us huge capacity to, again, engage with patience, with vision, with clarity, and with purpose to get through the suffering that we're experiencing and come out stronger and better for it on the other side.
1: I'll be researching about the Phanda tree. I think that is such a great analogy and just lesson for every single person listening to this just going back to that point is when you mentioned that stuff about engaging in imagination I I heard somebody I think it was a motivational speaker called Inky Johnson and he mentioned the process and effectively it's, a, it's the same kind of thing where we sit here me and my wife and we've kind of designed our life for the last five years to get to where we are today but we also have another five-year plan which we want to get to and we accept that right now the brutal facts are we've had to downsize our house we've had to make certain adjustments to our lifestyle to the things that we can and can't do in the same mindset we've never lost sight of the end goal effectively exactly what you were saying and I can't explain how powerful it is and we actually did this five years ago without actually knowing it and labeling it as such and we got to exactly where we wanted so for people on the outside it might seem a little bit what are these guys doing but this is the life we design she works one day a week now I literally work from my office every single day we want to be closer together we want to work on stuff that fulfills us that's our purpose I love connecting with people like yourself and sharing this I feel like this is part of my mission she's in the health and wellness space and now our next five years is literally the same so I've just highlighted here because you mentioned virtues as well you've got seven virtues I believe in your book could you just very quickly just give us a seven yeah
0: sure sure so the the seven virtues are a disciplined heart an educated mind and, and I deliberately reference yeah, a descriptive here. There's an adjective that goes with that uh, because it's not just about having a heart. It's got to be disciplined. So we want to train our desires. Yeah. It's not just about wanting the right things like you've talked about. You, you've trained, you've got certain desires for your future, but it's got to be a disciplined desire, a trained desire. You've got to, you've got to want the consequences of what you want. Yeah. Which means if I want to have that five-year plan come to life, I've got to want the will, the, I've got to want the downsizing, that will enable me to get it in the future, yeah? So a, a disciplined heart, an educated mind, uh, well-nourished faith, um, well-practiced patience. Again, that's we talked about patience a little bit this afternoon uh, already. A liberated past. and And what that's talking about is in order to move fully into the future, we've got to be willing to totally let go of the past. Otherwise, I'm going to be anchored to it. Um, And part of that means being able to forgive all the hurts and offenses. Um, I had to go through a journey of letting go of the hurts that had come with my father, but critically, importantly, uh, and I've found, and I'm not sure what it's like for you. It's in my nature at least that um, forgiveness for the, for the vast majority of the time is fairly straightforward and easy for me uh, when it comes to forgiving others. It was a big journey for my dad. I'm not putting him into that camp. As I said, that was a big journey, uh, a big process. Um, but the, the part I struggle with, with this principle, is forgiving myself. Yeah, And I've got to be able to forgive myself of the things that I've done wrong in the past in order to become the best version of myself in the future. Otherwise, it continues to define me. So anyway, that's, that's one of the virtues there. Diligent work. That's so critical because we might think we're super talented, and the world owes me something because I'm awesome. Um, but the reality is, even if you're one in a million, there's seven billion people on the planet. Which means, even if you're one in a million, there's still a thousand other people out there just like you. So what's going to differentiate you? What's going to make you stand apart? What will? What it'll come down to more often than not is our willingness to work hard, yeah. And and yeah, and, and that's certainly, I, I love what you've shared, Aaron, about the plans and strategies that you've put in place as a family to get your goals realized because you, you've made some sacrifices and you're willing to work with those sacrifices in order to get the outcome. A lot of people aren't willing to pay the price. Uh, we've got to be willing to pay the price. We shouldn't expect anything from this world. <laughs> it's been around longer than us, right? It's really, it's it's really what what does the world expect from me, right? It's not what do I expect from it, you know? It's the other way around. What does life expect from me? What is it demanding of me? Not not what do I demand of life? Yeah, it's kind of the other way around there. And then the last one is what we've already talked about—that willful surrender, um, which is. Again, the need to let go of our illusions, so that we can truly confront reality and move forward with conviction. That with an educated mind, with a disciplined heart, with a willingness to let go of all of the, the hang-ups and the mistakes that we've made and all that kind of stuff, um, with patience and perseverance, with hard work, with faith, nourished there and planted um, and well nurtured, we can move forward with optimism and conviction that. Uh, our future is going to be better.
1: Fantastic. Well, I've just added it, as you was just saying the last bit, to my basket. So I'm 100% buying your book because I'm fascinated by every single one of those different topics that you mentioned there. The forgiveness one is very close to me. So I think mm. episode 100 was my story. I've never really shared my story and it was about forgiveness. And just as you said it there, the hardest thing I actually struggled with was forgiving myself. So to cut a long story short because people have probably heard it, but I was assaulted and... I had given up a corporate world and all all the opportunities I've earned in a high paying job because my dream was to be a boxer my whole life. My parents being Asian, they sent me to university, I had to get a degree and do all that good stuff first, came out of university overweight, I then committed to the process for two and a half years, literally training three times a day, starving myself, managed to get selected for nationals, didn't drink for about two and a half years, asked the coach if I could go out for my birthday, went out for my birthday, got drunk, fell asleep, got assaulted, unprovoked completely couldn't move for about three months after that I was very lucky to kind of survive that and as much as I was angry obviously at the person who had assaulted me I was so angry at myself for working so hard and having too many drinks that day for getting too excited in the moment for not stopping on that final drink to not being Mm -hmm. in a position where I couldn't hold my hands up just to at least protect my face and that 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 process itself I think took me about three years because I didn't understand about forgiveness and I was just living with that that burden on my shoulders like, i can't explain it it was so horrible and i was i became a better person without realizing i was a better person i would be the person drinking beers on the weekend saying i could have i should have i would have and it was only yeah. until i forgave my god my life just changed my the trajectory of my mm. life went amazing so i absolutely loved that and um, there was another thing you mentioned in terms of the world doesn't always nothing and one of the things me and my wife pride ourselves on is that we would just work hard so i know there's people more talented behind a mic for example or have better content but i will just produce more and more and more because i actually enjoy what i'm doing and i know that on a long enough time scale i can be good at whatever i want to be that's a lesson and that's a growth mindset lesson and a mantra that we always use i've done that across podcasting i was probably the most nervous person before i started this i was too nervous to be on a podcast i used to turn them down when i was in the in the property space and then here we are with this and we've hit like mental health charts, top 10 across like 15, 20 countries over like almost 200,000 downloads across the world. I'm like, wow. And that's yeah. that's been a process as well. So I very quickly realized that when you put the hours in, they will say 10,000 hours. When you start working towards those 10,000 hours and you're truly willing to do it, I think you can really achieve anything. So... Again I'm not going to go through all of them because I'll be here all day but they're all fantastic ones so I have just added it to my basket as well and obviously I'll put that in the show notes for anyone who is listening because I think that's where there's a wisdom there. So if you're committed to not only enhancing your mental health but also your physical well-being too then you need to check out our new sponsors Health Excel. Providing you the best superfood blends on the market in their non-GMO, vegan, gluten-free and of course organic formulas, they bring you superfoods like no others you have seen on the market. They also don't just stop there as they provide you free consistent information to educate and empower you on your overall health and wellbeing journey. So don't just stop at the end of a Find Your Voice episode, get yourself some XL blends and put the odds in your flavor. Once it goes live, there will also be a unique discount For anyone who comes from the Find Your Voice podcast, as you guys are now part of my family and I only want to see you thrive even more. So check out the links in the description below and get notified as soon as they go live. Back to the episode. Fantastic. Okay, so as we kind of head towards the end of the show now, I'm sure you found a lot of value as I have because I'm what, six pages in now of writing notes. But what we're going to do is go into what I like to call the fun part of the show. And we're just going to ask him the most random questions for 60 seconds. So whenever you're ready, my friend, we're going to go. I'm ready. Okay, so what is your favourite hobby? Uh,
0: writing. Your
1: biggest strength? My biggest strength? Uh, love. Cats or dogs? Dogs. Your number one piece of advice to the youth today? Work hard. Your favourite place in the world? Home. Your favourite song? I don't have one. Would you rather know how you will die or when you will die? Um, how? Your favourite superhero?
0: Captain America.
1: Your favourite food? Uh, Indian. If you had an extra hour a day, how would you spend it?
0: Well, I've got seven kids, sleeping.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Great point. Uh, The best lesson anyone has ever taught you? Believe in yourself. If you could get the listeners to practice one thing after hearing this episode, what would it be?
0: Self-compassion.
1: If you could abolish one thing in the world, what would that be?
0: Uh, Hatred.
1: What are you secretly good at that nobody knows? Cutting hair. And a nice and easy one here, what did you eat for breakfast? I haven't yet. (laughs) (laughs) i just realized you're on the other side of the world (laughs) so that is the end of the fun part of the show so ben now we're just going to head towards the last two questions if i may so this is the first question is about reflection so i'm a firm believer that hindsight is a wonderful thing it can teach us ways to get to where we are quicker easier and with less heartache but i'm also a firm believer that the journey and the lessons that we get along the way they almost mold us and everything kind of happens for a reason so they are important as well but what I want to know is, with all your knowledge and all your wisdom now, in hindsight, if you could maybe go back to a younger Ben and whisper something in his ears, what would you say?
0: Uh, it all has a purpose and a reason. I, and I'm stealing wisdom here from someone else, but uh, and, I, and I'm going to probably butcher the phrase. But <laughs> Viktor Victor, Victor Frankl um, once said yeah. that when suffering has a meaning, it ceases to be suffering. Yeah. And, um, and and so that's, that's what I would say is when it's hard um, in the future, you'll discover its purpose and it will be life-changing. I love that.
1: Okay. So that sadly does bring us to the last question. And the last question is about legacy, which I'm sure you're going to have a fantastic one, my friend. So if in 150 years time, science fails to save us and all that exists is a book. And uh, this book is different to your book. This is a book and it's about you. It's about your life. It's about all of the weird and wonderful and amazing things that you've achieved and done in your life. Firstly, what I want to know is what would the title of the book be? And secondly, what would the summary at the back tell us about you?
0: Um, it would probably be something like, he tries hard.
1: <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> I love that.
0: <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and, and this, the summary on the back would be, this is about a guy that was wonderfully broken, that had lots of flaws, but never gave up. That's probably what it would be. I love that. Yeah.
1: I absolutely love that. It's
0: so weird hearing that because it's
1: so simple and it's something that I believe every single one of us have access to just working hard, sweat equity. It will mm-hmm. it will bring us to places that you can only dream of if you're willing to just be consistent at it. And I always say that's one of my biggest strength is I would just outwork you. So uh, absolutely love mm-hmm. that. Now, Ben, before I close the show and give you a chance and the listeners to connect as well, which I think is going to be absolutely amazing for them in terms of picking your brains and getting the wisdom from yourself are there any questions or is there anything that you wish I had asked you today?
0: No, I, I think it's been a fantastic um, interview, Aaron. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, the critical thing is, uh, if there's one thing that I could just reiterate, is you know, our suffering doesn't always provide its meaning to us in the moment. Mm. Um, but if we can be patient with the process, engage our imagination, uh, have confidence in our future, and recognize that sometimes... Our suffering isn't about us, in the same way that our life isn't always about us. When we learn to give our life to a cause greater than ourselves, uh, that's when we really try. That's where we find fulfillment. Yeah, and sometimes it's the same with our suffering. If we can understand that our suffering isn't always about me, it might be about someone else. Um, That might give us a chance here and now to find meaning a little quicker.
1: I love that. Really, really powerful. And what is the best place that people can connect with you?
0: If people go to ben-woodwood.com, that's my website. Um, and you'll find all of my social media handles there. And you can connect with me, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, Twitter.
1: And I've got your book here, which I'm trying to add to the basket now. So you've got a Kindle version, a hardcover version, and a paperback. Have you done an Audible version as well?
0: I have. It's, it's literally in the process of being launched. So right. I'm hoping um this you know the the pandemic has been a wonderful delay in the supply chain of that but it is underway it's it's recorded it's done uh hopefully it'll be launched very soon But i would personally love to hear the
1: audible version especially if you're doing it yourself as well because this this conversation has been really really insightful for myself so please do reach out to me when you when you get that sorted please
0: I will do. Yeah, cool. Thank Fantastic.
1: You. So that is sadly the end of the show. So please do check out the show notes. There's a whole heap of information in there. I'll uh, make sure there's timestamps in terms of some of the incredible points that Ben said throughout this and then do check out that book as well. But Ben genuinely speaking like i'm so happy that you're in such a better place now i wish you and your wife all the best for your eighth child i can't see you getting any more sleep so i hope you get that one hour back uh, somewhere in your life i want to thank (laughs) Thank you from the other side of the world obviously for taking time out of your day to share your wisdom because find your voice isn't find your voice without amazing guests like yourself and i want to thank everyone else at home thank you so much for listening
0: cheers thanks very much And remember, this podcast is absolutely free. So all we ask in return is for you to share this with a friend and drop us a five-star review over on iTunes. Have an awesome day.